Welcome to Strong Feet Radio. Today I have a patient of mine, James Dunn. He came to me after about 10 years of chronic foot pain and heel pain. Tried everything and I did not fix him. Let's just throw that out straight away. But we worked together for quite a little bit of time and then as James started to go down a, a path which we're going to discuss in detail, he actually found a solution for his heels himself. And we want to share that story because there's going to be a lot of people out there who... Uh, if they don't benefit directly from what James says, it'll j- just link to somebody they know and they might be able to actually share this podcast with them and then actually help them on the path to strong, healthy feet as well. So James, welcome to Strong Feet Radio. Thanks for joining me. No worries. Thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, what do you do for a living? I'm a cabinet maker, so I make kitchens for a living. So I'm on my feet all day, um, standing on concrete. Uh, yeah, so... When you've got heel pain that has been going that long, it can be pretty draining being on your feet all day, as you can imagine. Let's, uh, let's talk about the draining. So, you know, when you've got uh, foot pain for 10 years, and it's pretty constant for you, it wasn't something that was on and off. Like, some people have pain for 10 years, but it's really, it's two months on, three months off. No, mine was all day, every day of the year, or every day when I was at work. It was constant. You'd get home from work, you'd be exhausted, because basically being in pain that long all day just takes... A hell of a lot out of you. Yep. Yeah. So just mentally and physically draining. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Physically demanding job, mentally yep. demanding pain. Yep. All right. So when we first met, which was actually May last year, and we had this eight to ten year history of foot pain, um, it was for me a matter of sitting there saying, right, what's working well with your feet, what's not. So we went down a path where we worked together for you know quite a few months of dealing with the physical. Now, there were different times when we spoke about the, the neural connection to pain, but I'm no expert. So I said, right, that can exist, but let's keep working the physical and see how far we can push it. Now, from my recollection, we, we got to the point of running, barefoot running. Yep. We had minimalist shoes at work. We, you know, The stuff you were doing was above and beyond what I was asking you to do, just because yep. you like to push things a little bit further. Is yeah, that correct? I've never been one to do things by halves. If I'm going to do it, I'll give it my all. And yeah, that's just the type of bloke I am. But none of that actually increased the symptoms. No. None of that made it worse. No. You were doing things that for someone with plantar heel pain, plantar fasciitis, whatever we want to call it, but I'm going to go with plantar heel pain, is that you shouldn't have been able to do those things. No. no. But you certainly were. Yeah. Right. So let's, uh, let's fast forward to now and then we'll fill in the gaps. Um, how are your feet going right now? My feet are awesome. And when's the last but time you said that? In saying that, I'll say awesome, but I'm not going to say... It's all sunshine and rainbows and whatever, that there's no heel pain at all, but it's significantly reduced. I can get through the day without being worried about it, um, feel like a normal person. Wow. Yeah. That's, a, uh, that's definitely our strong words there, being a normal person. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So whatever that is. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. Um, did you feel over the last eight, ten years of the things you missed out on? Definitely. Yeah, like I was just thinking yesterday that I can remember a couple of years ago waking up one Saturday morning, my wife goes, like she'd been up for a while and came back in the bedroom and said, oh, aren't you getting up? I said, well, what am I getting up for? Like just getting out of bed and getting on my feet. Like I'd wake up every morning, my feet were already aching when I'd wake up. So yeah, getting out of bed and getting up when I couldn't enjoy normal day-to-day activities that I would have once enjoyed. So as anyone with that sort of chronic pain is, they withdraw from aspects of their life that they would otherwise be partaking in. Yeah. yeah. 
it's it's something I talk about a bit with the the cost of injury or the cost of pain. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yours being chronic pain, but the cost isn't just a financial cost. It's a cost in quality yeah. of life, yeah. time running around with the kids. Yeah, and definitely an impact on the family. Like, yeah, anyone who's in that situation, they're not going to be running around enjoying time with the kids the way they should because they're going to go, oh, I can't do this or that because of my feet. They're going to hold back. Yeah. All right. So anyone that's listening to this that has been in chronic pain for a long time and they're going to relate to it regardless of being feet, back, anything like that. And we're not here to try and solve everyone's pain directly, but we just want to share your story. So uh, you tried Botox? Yeah, I tried Botox a couple of months ago. Yep. Um, In the lips, was it? (laughs) Yeah. Can't you tell? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so you'd, you'd gone down basically every rabbit hole you possibly could. Yeah, I'd had um, shockwave therapy. Um, For those that don't know shockwave therapy, it's basically a jackhammer. On your bones. On your bones. Yeah, well, that's what it felt like to me at the time. Yep. Um, had acupuncture. Um, been stretching for numerous years. Um, rolling my plantar fascia on balls and all makes of things and heat packs and ice bottles and ice bottles, which we won't recommend. We'll just put that out there now. Um, yes, if you'll you have, elaborate on that later. If you have plantar heel pain, stop icing. Yes. Get a warm wheat bag out, stop icing. We'll have a full episode on that at some point, but yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much everything that's recommended on the internet somewhere or that doctors are recommending, I'd given it a try. Um, yeah, if there was a possible solution, I'd try it. I'd pretty much read the internet on feet from one end to the other. By the end of it, I felt like I should have just studied podiatry. <laughs> I will tell you that uh, James will make a better podiatrist than many other podiatrists in the world, or physio, or neurosurgeon, or anything he wants to. He analyzes, he learns. Uh, there were emails that sent to me that I had to just—I had to make sure I was awake, and I had to read them through them a couple of times because he'd go into great depth in terms of his anatomy knowledge was fantastic, but he didn't grow up with anatomy knowledge. He took it upon himself to sit there and learn what was going on with his body, so. He could try and get to a solution. He sought professional help, of course, uh, but then took it upon himself to actually you know, try and learn as much as he could. Let's go back to, he had Botox, not in the lips, had Botox in the feet, yep. okay? And nothing much changed from that. At what point did you find your first, your first little avenue towards a solution? Um, I'd been starting to listen to some podcasts at work, trying to distract my mind. I'd been listening to music at work, as I'd normally do before that, and just got bored. Need more stimulation, just the type of like I am. And um, yeah, started listening to a bit of fitness type stuff, and then yeah, I kept coming across stuff about the autonomic nervous system. And yeah, they were talking about whether you're in a sympathetic state or a parasympathetic state. So your sympathetic being the fight or flight mode, which is a catabolic state, which means you're destructive to your body to a certain degree. And the parasympathetic system is your rest and digest or rest and recover state. Well, when you've got chronic pain, you spend a lot of your day in the sympathetic state, not in the parasympathetic state. So your body's basically on, uh, there's a lion coming, yep. red alert, run for your life, and it's yep. just, you know, it's redlining the entire time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Which is going to interfere with your sleep. Yeah. How much of uh, how much sleep did you lose in 10 years from those feet? Well, a lot of the time it wasn't too bad, but in the last sort of six months or so I had the heel pain was waking me up I'd wake up in the morning early in the morning my feet were burning they were on fire and yeah lots of pain in them Um, and even before that when I'd wake up in the morning when it's time to wake up yeah I'd wake up and they were sore before I'd even want to get out of bed but if you look at all the stuff about any traditional plantar heel pain 
they talk about when you first get out of bed and load, put the weight on your feet. Yeah, I was having pain before that, and everyone's scratching their head going, well, that's not normal. And yeah. I was thinking, yeah, well, I know it's not normal, but yeah, you've got to answer for me because I couldn't find one. So autonomic nervous system, you were living in your redlined uh, sympathetic nervous yep. system or sympathetic state, yep. and parasympathetic was something that your body just did not know. Yep. So where'd you go from there? So then I came across something. They were talking about um, breathing to calm down your autonomic nervous system. So I started bringing in a different breathing pattern. I um, heard the talk about doing the uh, four to eight pattern. So four seconds in, hold for two seconds, and eight seconds out. And then they talked about bringing it up to six seconds in, hold two seconds, eight seconds out. Now, was that specified as nasal or mouth? Yeah, so breathing in through the nose mm-hmm. and not just breathing through your chest, really using your diaphragm. So think of your stomach as a balloon that you're inflating and, yeah, Nice, deep, nasal diaphragmatic breathing. So the, the the benefit of nasal breathing is that it is a direct connection between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. Yep. And it's why a lot of ancient practices um, from Tai Chi, we can even just throw yoga in there, or anything that actually talks about breathing in a lot of martial arts, is that it's very heavily focused on the nose, especially for the inhale. And it has a strong effect of actually calming the nervous system a bit we can control the heart rate better. It's something I use a lot with my athletes and with runners and with people in pain when they come in is I'll often get them to stand up tall, take a deep breath through the nose, out through the nose, but not force. Just let it come out. Don't hold yeah. it. Just let it come out. This is when they get out of bed in the morning. It's when they get up off yeah. the couch. And a lot of them, they say it changed their life. Yeah, we're not talking about forever, but we're talking about in the immediate real pain state. So that deep breath through the nose and then slowly back out can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, well, I started doing that any time I was at work that I could feel pain and just concentrating on doing the different style of breathing. I found that was possibly a distraction from what I was feeling as much as anything, but also calming myself down. Yeah. Now, yeah. if we all do that now, if we all sat here and went through a couple of breath cycles through the nose, so if we go deep in through the nose for four seconds and slowly out for about eight seconds and we go through two of those cycles, it's pretty well impossible to be more stressed. Yeah, doing that yeah. and if you are I dare say there's something something bigger going on there somewhere so deep deep in through the nose and great saying I heard um, was nose is for breathing mouth is for eating sounds good it's like okay great yeah. uh, it's very antisocial if you go for a run which I often program for my runners of just nasal breathing only and if you're running with other people then there's uh, pretty much no talking yep. no talking alright so we've got nasal breathing or breathing patterns we'll call it breathing yep. patterns which is definitely yep. more powerful than saying hey just breathe through your nose yeah and then where from there? Yeah, so then I started doing that, concentrating on extending that when I went to bed each night. So I'd be lying in bed and even just counting the breaths while I did it um, and try and extend that as much as possible. I think I had some nights where I got up to 20 seconds in, 30 seconds out. So That's high-level athlete potential there. Yeah, well, I find the first few breaths will be lower <laughs> and... Um, like a shorter duration, and then you keep building up on that and you can get it to be a lot longer. So you might start with your four or six seconds in, but the longer you do it, like each night, like each session you might start with four or six seconds in, but then as the session progresses, progresses, it'll um, yeah, increase if you put some effort into it. Definitely, it's a learned skill. Yeah, I'll like get skill. to the point where everything slows down enough you can feel each heartbeat. 
So then each heartbeat was basically a count of one or two or three or four, for example. So we're getting much more connection to some of those cogs that are happening inside us. And yeah. one of the things in our Western world with this, you know, high-paced, high-stress, you know, always, you know, redlining all the time is yeah. we just really have no internal connection. Yeah. Okay, so you're starting to go a little bit hippie on us and getting a little bit internal and in touch yep. with your heartbeat, yep. which is fantastic. Um, where from here? Yeah, so... Um as you introduced to me sometime last year, uh, the proprioception was another good thing. Um, so I've been using your inner soles that are textured. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, for people that don't know, think of those old Masua inner soles, old Masua sandals with the, with the spiky bits. And so we often call them lumpy, bumpy inner soles. But yes? Yeah, so I was using those. And that's... I was partly using that as another distraction from feeling the pain. So whenever my feet were sore... I would try and concentrate on if I could feel the texture on those inner soles. And then that sort of evolved to, okay, if I can concentrate and feel that texture, you're not feeling an overall painful sensation, you're feeling each little bump on that inner sole. Then another thing I extended on from that was, okay, if I'm feeling any pain, or I would then scale it down to discomfort, but we'll go into that later about naming your pain. Okay. And... um so yeah, if you're feeling a sensation somewhere, if you concentrate on a different part of your body, for example, I'd go, can I feel my watch on my wrist? Most of the time you can't feel your watch, can you? But if you concentrate, you can feel your watch or the collar on your shirt or the sleeves on your shirt. or any. So a whole bunch of people have just done that now, including me. That's good. I'm sitting here and I know my watch on my left wrist and I was yeah. like, hang on, hang on, can I feel my watch? I'm just tune out for a second. Yes, I can. Yeah, and so you tune in like that, you can't feel, you can't even feel concentrate on one part of your body like that at one time, I find. And it might only be for a split second or so, but that's enough for your mind to go, well, hang on. I can stop feeling that painful, airy part of the body for that moment. Can I do it for longer? Okay. So you're basically refocusing the brain on something else. Yeah. Because we're talking about neural connections, and we're not yep. going to get too complex in that again because I won't pretend to be an expert in, in that. Yeah. But pain is an input to the brain. Yep. Sorry, it's signals, okay? It's signals, pain is an interpretation of the, of the brain. So yep. we get signals into the brain and then um, the, the brain interprets what it is. So if it's putting out painful output straight away before yeah. you get out of bed, painful output because you know it's going to be sore, it's not conscious yep. thought. Yep. It's all subconscious. Something you yeah. said just before we started recording, um, what percent of our brain is considered conscious rather than subconscious? Yeah, only 5% of what we're doing or of what our brain is doing is considered to be conscious thought and the rest of it is subconscious yep and that, i mean that makes perfect sense if we really think about what's going on in that brain and how many things are happening in response to every input we were talking about before about little little adrenaline spikes and you know you're driving along and you, you see a police car and all of a sudden you get that big rush straight through your body you look at your speed your speed's fine but that yeah. that adrenaline spike that happened was input in of copper as you went past him and oh crap oh shit but the body's response through as i say that first input it's so quick and so fast but a whole bunch of stuff happened through the brain and then to the actual appropriate glands to release the release the adrenaline in a split second so it makes perfect sense that so much is happening that uh we're not aware of and that's great because if we had to consciously control everything we did i don't think we'd be here as humans yeah okay so reframing or re-analyzing from the pain 
And I, I don't even want to call it a distraction, but focusing on another area. Yep. Those lumpy, bumpy inner soles underneath your feet, which is something for you to actually sit there and become more aware of. So you're really yeah. sort of getting inside your own head and just, you know, retuning things, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah, and then I think another thing is to not think of it so much as pain. Think of it as can you feel that texture or you're feeling pressure and stop calling it pain. I think that's another big thing. Because um, pain, you're going to bring a negative association with that. So instead, maybe um, I've found to label it as discomfort. Yep. And yeah, so that's taking some of the negative aspect away from it. And that's just a different level, I guess, of interpretation of what it is as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, taking a bit of the fear out of it, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So just lost my train of thought there. You distracted me with your pain and discomfort, which was brilliant. Um, you carry on and I'll think of what I was going to ask potentially yeah okay well um, yeah so when I say discomfort you can look at it as okay I can feel pressure on the bottom of my feet it might not be a painful feeling then and you go okay I can acknowledge my body's weight on my feet on the ground and there you go from there Um, something I've noticed quite a while ago was that my feet were good if I was walking Yes, yes. If I was stationary, then that was a problem. So, for example, I'd be in the kitchen doing dinner, and I found if I was walking on the spot, (laughs) I um, encountered much less discomfort, we'll now call it. So you weren't just trying to get your steps up on your Fitbit so you could have dessert? No, I don't need to. (laughs) I know I'm active, I don't need a Fitbit. Yep. Um, Yeah, so just doing that, whether that was a distraction or... um, whether there's a neural association with standing stationary that my feet then um, feel the discomfort. My hypothesis, because this happens a lot, is that there's less things in motion. Yeah. There is less activity in the brain. And so there is more focus on, hey, shit, we've got a problem in the feet. Yeah. And so when you're standing still, the brain's sort of analyzing the body. Everything's oh, it's like, oh, problem down in sector foot. Whereas when you move in, there's just so many more inputs to the brain. Yeah. Depending on where you're going. Yeah. You know, there's walls, there's that uh, paint job you haven't finished as you're walking down the hallway, yeah. there's creaking of the floorboards, there's the kids haven't put the toys away. It's just inputs, and they're all things. They don't have to be conscious. Yeah. But when we stand still is that, like when we go to bed, a lot of people feel pain when they go to bed. And it's just that as things start to settle down, again, brain analyzes the body, what's going on, and then all of a sudden we've got this throb, throb, throb. But the people who are moving around, they're fine. They're like, why do I feel it at night? And again, it's, it's more that there's just less activity of the brain so it actually can tune into where the problem is. Now, what I was going to say before, let's go back, you know, eight to ten years, heel pain started, and I'm sure it wasn't just an overnight thing, but all of a sudden there's these heels that are painful. And somebody says to you, first person you went to see as a practitioner says, mate, it's all in your head. Um, yeah, well, I think the idea of saying to someone, it's all in your head, instantly that patient is going to take that as an insult. Um for me, I was told I had Constable's heels, okay. which didn't really mean much at the time. <laughs> um, at this stage, learning about um, the body and the way it works was all pretty new to me. I hadn't really gone down that path yet. But there was times where I definitely had the traditional plantar heel pain symptom, symptoms. Um, but yeah, I think just the idea of saying to a patient, yeah, it's all in your head, they're like, you're saying I'm making that up. Well, this is what I think of you. Yeah. That'd, uh, be, that'd be a natural response. And yeah. Because pain is not made up. No. Pain's well, never made up. The idea is that 
all pain comes from the brain. Yep. So um, yeah, any pain, whether it's you cut yourself and you're going to feel pain, there's no doubt about that. But the pain isn't actually coming from where the cut is. The pain is manifested in the brain, whether it's a cut or something that the brain's creating for a different reason. And that's how we can learn pain? Yep. yep. So, so let's talk about learned pain. Yeah, well, you can get a neural association. So you imagine every day you're at work, you're standing on your feet, your feet ache. Well, sooner or later, your body's going to learn that every day I go to work, my feet ache when I'm standing on them. Yeah. And yeah, through repetition, we learn. Um, I was listening to a guy recently called uh, Bruce Lipton. And he was talking about the first seven years of your life, um, you're getting programmed. So you're watching what other adults around you are doing and so on, and that's programming your subconscious mind. But beyond that seven years, you learn through repetition. So if you're at work every day, your feet hurt, well, there's your repetition, and you're going to learn that. So he talks about the way to learn anything when you're older is through repetition, so... Or the other one is hypnosis, which you can basically do as you're falling asleep. You're in a different um, brainwave cycle and your subconscious is more, um, for want of a better word, able to absorb the information you're giving it. So, yeah, if you're telling yourself every day, oh, my feet are killing me or whatever body part you happen to have a problem with, well, yeah, it's going to hurt. You're going to amplify your pain as well so the idea is also that um physical pain and emotional pain share the same brain space yep and that's another topic we can get into a bit later but yeah back to the repetition if every day you're saying oh my feet hurt or my back hurts or whatever soon enough you're going to believe that and yeah it's going to happen yeah and it's learned it's it's a fascinating thing that a lot of people come in here just before they go on a trip Yep. So they got this trip coming up. Oh shit, my feet hurt. They've been hurting for six years, but fine. I'll go and see the podiatrist. Probably have yep. some physios, I'm sure. Yeah. A week before we go away. The I get people to a point where hopefully they go away and they're going to have a great time. That's my aim. If they've got a trip coming up, so many of them go away, have a blast, have a great time, and even if the pain's not 100% gone, they do way more walking, they do way more activity, and they experience way less pain. Then when they come back and they get straight back into their routine, the knees are sore again, the heel pain's back. And it's it's got to play a part in this this association is that they're going back to that same situation where their yeah. feet have hurt all the time, whereas opposed with when they were away, is that was all new. Yeah, they haven't had that repetition to learn, yeah, I'm okay there, or to learn that I've got a problem there. Whereas before, they're doing what they've done so many times before. They've got the repetition that every time I do this in this situation, I've got this neural association that, that hurts. So, the brain plays a huge part in chronic pain. We all know that. How, just based on your, your experience, what were the top things that really just helped you come through the other side? So, we've spoken about the nasal breathing, spoken about proprioceptive, is that... Let's go to the, what do you call your pain? Well, I downscaled it to um, discomfort. Mm -hmm. So instead of calling it pain, uh, yeah, just bring it back down and it reduces some of that fear in your mind. Like anyone who's got chronic pain, they're going to have times where they anticipate the pain. There's, then there's fear of the pain. 
um, and that fear will amplify the pain as well. So I've been um, working through an app called the Curable app, which is uh, for people suffering chronic pain or chronic health problems that are created by um, yeah, the, brain, the brain, basically. Yep. And, um, and now I lost my train of thought again. Oh, that's right. The Curable app, um, yeah. working through their processes. Yeah. Um, was there some stage you were going to say where yeah, you actually... Yeah, so in the, the Curable app, they actually... Um, have some people that call the pain their bananas. Gotcha. That's where I was sort and of headed. Put a positive spin on it yep. so they can joke about it and, yeah, just take that negativity away from it. Right. Yeah. Anything else about that particular app? Is there anything else you'd take away from that app? I've never used it. I yep. haven't seen it. Um, that potentially could help others as well or it's helped you. Again, we'll talk about Yeah, you. yeah, definitely. Like, I've only been working with that for a couple of weeks, but okay. the difference that it has made and, yeah, just what I've learned from it... Uh, open my eyes to what's going on a bit. Um, it's definitely been beneficial. So I'd definitely recommend for anyone suffering with chronic pain, just jump on their website. I think it's Curable Health or yep. something like that. We'll find it later anyway, and we'll yep. put some links of some of your top resources. Yeah. Um, can we just give a time frame of uh, post-Botox, which was the last major thing you tried, yeah. uh, is that when did you sort of break into this realm initially to now? Like what sort, yep. sort of time frame? Month so we're post? talking probably... Two months now. Wow. Yeah. So in two months after eight years, again, you're not saying you're cured. You're not no. saying any of those words. Is that at the moment you've completely flipped things upside down? Yeah. Feel like you've got control over what's going on. Definitely. Yep. And that you are kind of the master of your destiny with your feet at this point in time. Yep. Now I'm just going to put an interlude here that we did so much physical work with James's feet. We trained these things to be powerful springs, which is one of my big passions. Like. These things aren't weak, dilapidated, crappy feet. He did the physical work. And so the fact that now he's transferring, transforming what's going on in the brain is that he's got these awesome feet. But we worked out that we had these awesome feet because yeah. we trained them. And we had these epic things, but he still was in as much pain as before. But no matter yeah. what we did to the feet, it didn't make him worse in any yeah. way, shape, or form. So that's a bonus is that you had great feet to fall back on from the physical point of view. Yeah. And then, so you've reframed, you're in charge of your own destiny. Yep. But you mentioned the other, that you, um, was it a crappy night's sleep or a crappy day at work and then you, you had some foot pain the next morning, yes. recently? Yeah, so um, yesterday or the day before, I'd been doing something at home and hadn't turned out the way I'd like it and liked it and obviously a bit frustrated with that. Then the next day at work, a couple of things with the job that I was working on that weren't ready the way they should have been or whatever things didn't go as planned and yeah a little bit frustrated there again and what do you know yeah my, i'd have worse day that day than what i'd had for many many weeks but physically you did nothing different to your no, nothing at all but then by the afternoon i'd sort of settled down got some of that job out of the way that was annoying me got the difficult aspects out of the way and yeah i could definitely feel the difference they were feeling much better by the afternoon brilliant yeah what about some other aches and pains that were happening through the body, not just the feet, and just some other ailments that have actually just started to drift off to where'd they go? Yeah, well, there's the idea that when your brain is creating this pain, it's doing it as it's perceiving danger, and it can manifest it in any possible way. It might be pains throughout the body, it could be rashes could be migraines could be digestive problems could be all sorts of things that your body wants to try and send you an alarm for how many of those did you tick off in eight years 
Oh, I remember having a making a list of all the aches and pains I had at one stage, and I think it was up to about ten of them or something like that. <laughs> but um, yeah, especially with my feet, like I always thought it was weird. I had a constant pain on the bottom of my heel, but then different parts of the feet would just get random pains, come and go, different days, different weeks, and whatever, and for no apparent reason. And um, yeah, I just couldn't find a pattern to it why it would be doing that. And then once I started down this path that I'm currently on, all of a sudden, all those additional pains just disappeared. There's still a bit of mild um, pain on the bottom of my heel. Yep. But yeah, all the other ones just fell by the wayside. And I had um, bilateral pain in my forearms. And I've noticed that's been significantly reduced as well. And yeah, everything's been much better. Fantastic. So yeah. again, physical stuff, you haven't changed and altered that no, much. No. But other areas of the body improved as well. Yeah. Can we, um, let's go to the future. Yep. What's the next uh, four weeks look like for you? Awesome. Awesome, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and I imagine it would be given, given where you've been. Yep. Uh, but what, what, daily, what daily processes right now uh, help you yep. get through the day and basically be awesome? Yeah, well, positive thinking is definitely a big part of it. Um, people talk about placebos and you all know what they're about. But there's also the idea that if you've got a negative mindset about something, well, they call that a nocebo, I think it is. So if you're in a negative mind frame about your pain or discomfort, whatever you've got, then you're going to make that worse. You're going to create that for yourself. So keeping a positive mind. So I try and focus on the times when my feet are feeling good. Um, one thing I mentioned to you last time I spoke was... Um, when I'm walking and they feel good, concentrate on that and go, how good are they? And I'd say to myself, my feet are awesome, they're strong, they're flexible, they can do anything. And It's a little mantra. Yeah, that's it. And um, yeah, a bit of visualisation I found helped too. So then visualising all the things that I could do in life with feet that are feeling good or whatever body part people need to yep. envisage. Um, yeah, if you're imagining, oh, when I do this activity that that's going to be painful or well, you're basically going to create that pain to a certain degree so yeah i was thinking yeah all the things i could be doing like at the time when they first started feeling better i felt like superman i felt like i could for the first time in almost 10 years run down the street and leap tall buildings yep and how, how many did you get over oh a couple yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he probably would i'm not joking <laughs> i walked in here i literally went out to get some water uh, before we started recording, I walked back in. He's hanging off my pull-up bar on one arm, spinning around. And uh, he's, as I say, he's an active human. Um, he's not a naturally negative human either. So the fact that you've talked about how you've had to think positive, have a yep. positive mindset, and literally have that little mantra, my feet are strong, they're awesome, yeah. is the fact that we have chronic pain, it's always going to drag us negative. Yep. Pain will be a negative influence on life. And you've had to sit there and spin that to the point of finding some sort of positive. Not positive in having pain, yeah. but actually just changing your mindset. And it's easy. Let's just sit there and say someone's got chronic pain. Come on, bud, cheer up. Be positive. Yeah, it's not going to happen. No. no. What's, it's, it's processes. Yeah. So positive mindset, yeah. mantra that your feet are strong. And as I said, physically, they literally are. Okay. Yeah. But changing that. Yeah, Anything else that gets yeah, you through the day? The visualization. So, yes. yeah, think about... Other times in your life when your feet have felt good. So I, I mentioned to you last time I was in that I actually got out an old photo album. 
That's right. I forgot that one. And yep, it's brilliant. Looked through that at um, yeah, old holidays of before I had problems with my feet. And then that gave me something to visualize later when I felt like I needed a bit of a boost. So, yeah, you're remembering times when you felt good because if you've only got negative times to remember, like times when you've been in pain, well, that's not going to serve you any positive outcome either. And, um, yeah, so then like you visualize happy times in your life. So for me, one of them that I used was, I know I've got a photo hanging around at home of being at the beach with my son. He's lying down on a little bodyboard while running up and down the beach, dragging him behind me. And for that, that for me, that worked well because that was an activity on my feet. So I was remembering a time when my feet didn't hurt. So, yeah, then you're thinking about, yeah, my feet can do these things. And, yeah, coming back to that again. I think that's a ripper. Yeah. Absolute ripper. And because I can also remember the smile on his face and him laughing and carrying on, that really reinforced that positive aspect of that. I'm sure you can hear him laughing too. Yeah. 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 Um, that's a fascinating thing. So the brain can re- can hear these things even yeah. though you're not there now. Yeah. The brain can see these things, even yeah. though you're not there now. Yeah. So on the opposite side, again, the brain can sit there and interpret pra- uh, pain, produce pain, yeah. before you even stand on it. Yeah. Because again, it's a remember to learn, a learned thing. Yeah. Fascinating. Anything else? That w- That's that's a cracker. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, did, I did forget that one till now. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's got fond memories of their kids when they were little, having fun with them. And yeah, so no, it's I, I had always t- a golden I moment. Everyone's going to be close to i had twins there was there was nothing fun in the first three years <laughs> no they're awesome they're yeah awesome. um yeah another thing i heard another guy talking about was um instead of researching your problem or your perceived problem like i'd read the internet basically from one end to the other um i remember going to see a specialist and talking to him he said so what's your medical background because i could talk the talk yeah i knew the lingo sort of thing I knew my um, anatomy pretty well. And I said, oh, I don't have any. And he sort of looked at me a bit puzzled and said, oh, I've just researched a lot trying to find my problem because on top, like, if no one else can help me, well, I'll do it myself. So I'd researched everything you could imagine about heel pain. If there was a type of heel pain, I'd read about it. And, yeah, I heard another guy say about his problems on a podcast I was listening to, and instead of researching the problem, he started researching health. So then that's an avenue that I kind of went down researching things about positive aspects of the human body and how to make your body better. And, yeah, I went down all sorts of rabbit holes there, but it was not only good to learn, we all need to continually learn, but it also stopped me standing on my feet at work thinking about, oh, my God, my feet are aching. That was a distraction as well. So, yeah, because if you're... All you can think about, like basically, that's what my thoughts were all day, every day. Like, I can do my job, basically, on autopilot because we've learned through repetition. That comes back to training the brain again. You're doing it almost subconsciously. So, I was at work. My brain had more capacity to do something than just work. So, I find my brain was concentrating on my feet, going, okay, well, what is it? What could it be? And going through all these possible scenarios of what could possibly be causing my pain. And that's only going to amplify the pain further. Did writing all the emails to me amplify it further as well? Oh. They were cracking emails. <laughs> we, could, we could write a book. But again, all of uh, James's thoughts and analysis and research, um, and as you can hear, he's definitely very, very knowledgeable, um, that came through in just posing questions and having me think. And he'd send me an email like days before we'd have an appointment. 
and I'd write back the shortest little email saying, mate, I've read it. I can't yeah. provide this now cause yeah. <laughs> and um, I'll get back to you shortly. But it was just thinking, thinking, thinking. And it also got me thinking too. Yeah. So we could try and Yeah, well, solve. I figured instead of just coming to you and dumping it on you, expecting you to have an answer yeah. off the top of your head, which I know I don't think that way. I know that and many people, I'm sure, will relate to this, that maybe an hour or two or later that night after whatever event or whatever, you'll think of, oh, I should have said this, or oh, why didn't I think of this earlier? So 3 a.m., 3 a.m. every yep, time that used after to be I got a moment for me. Yep. Every time I got an email from James, I'd wake up at three with a solution and then I'd lose sleep and then my brain wouldn't function properly the next day and I couldn't remember. Oh, you can thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so um, we sort of pushed forward for, you know, the next four weeks, what's going to be, what's what's it look like? And you said awesome. But yeah. effectively, sticking with your same practices you've got yeah. now. Well, if we can go back, I think, to the start of my improvement, I think it's probably a good idea to sort of go through the first couple of weeks of that. Yeah, actually. Okay, so... Again, yeah, getting started. So let's say someone's listened to this. Um, what would your tips be based on your experience? How to start? Well, what I'll do is I'll walk through my first couple of weeks yep. of that process. So I started doing the breathing and I really noticed that calmed down my nervous system. I could feel how much calmer I felt. I just felt the calmest I'd felt for I don't know how many years. Just had this real sense of calm, which was totally new to me. So I'd be doing concentrating on my breathing at work whenever I was feeling discomfort and when I go to bed I'd be lying in bed doing my breathing calming down before bed um flat around a bit of stuff with your circadian rhythm um making sure everything's working optimally there any particular things you found useful there for you um well I start work at six in the morning so I don't see daylight before work so I was making sure I was having my morning tea and lunch out in the sunshine getting sunshine fresh air and all that sort of thing making sure not getting any um, blue light just prior to going to bed now blue light comes through all of these screens and pretty much our western existence is is blasted with blue light which affects our melatonin and um, the processes involved with getting to sleep but also staying asleep which is even more important yeah so we could do a whole another podcast on that but anyway we'll move on from that probably a whole series yeah yeah so the first week as I say, I noticed I felt a lot calmer, but the pain was noticeably reduced, but it was as if there was a, all the pain, all the monster waiting just around the corner on the street up ahead, waiting to jump out at me. So judging by that, your body's in that sympathetic state still. You're waiting, you're anticipating that pain, thinking it's going to start any minute now, because that's the way it had always been for so long. And yeah, so it was just like you're waiting for this bad creature to jump out from around the corner and startle you and then yeah, you start all over again. And then the next week it's like, yeah, okay, I'm a bit more in control of this now. And you know, I used to say to myself, no, you get back in your box, I'm in control of this now. Um, and physically imagine stuffing this creature back in the box and holding the lid tight, not letting it out. I just want to know if you ever said that out loud <laughs> in the workplace with yeah. other people around. No. Jammed him in the cupboard you've just been oh, building. No, it's all right. <laughs> Everyone's got earmuffs on and stuff like that, so it didn't matter. Um, yeah, and each week I could feel for the first probably three to four weeks that it would be another step ahead of where I was the week before, things calming down. And yeah, so yeah, then I was telling myself, no, I'm in control of the situation now. You've been in control for all these years, but I'm back. I'm the one in control now. 
So, yeah, that was a positive moment for me to know that, okay, it doesn't have to rule my life because for so many years it did rule my life. And, yeah, I've kind of got my life back now. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's a literally an epic story, and but it really is more about the processes evolved. This is common in society. It's yeah. common. I'm sure my work will evolve down this path more and more and more. Like, I understand it. I know it exists and I know it affects all my clients to some degree but my profession and my personal practice is more physical yep. than it is mental in yep. saying that I always tell people there's so much psychology in what I do but not to the level that you've approached yeah. uh, now we, we spoke resources briefly and we'll add things but any particular people that you've found along the way that keep popping up in this field yeah so I think the whole curable app's been great um, I stumbled across that by accident listening to another podcast. Um, it was one by a guy called uh, Ben Pakulski. I can't pronounce it. Ben Pakulski. Sounds um, great. We'll, yeah. we'll get the spell check. Um, that one. Just look up Muscle Intelligence. And he had a podcast with Alicia Gowans. And she was talking about her story with chronic pain. And she stumbled upon the curable app as well. And a big part of that is education. Um, the more you know about how this works, the more open-minded you're going to be to it. Because as we said earlier, if someone tells you, oh, it's all in your head, well, you're going to be insulted and go, this isn't in my head, I can feel it. You want to come and live in my shoes? Well, yeah, you're going to feel this pain. But if they could explain and make some connections with you and you sat there and went, actually, that, that sounds like me. They're talking yeah. about me, which is kind of what happened when you yeah, listened well, to those podcasts. Yeah, the Curable app also has um, podcasts, I think they're labelled um, Like Body, Like Mind. Yep. And there seemed to be a common theme about the pain moving around to different parts, so it's not always stagnant in one part of the body or the one part of that body area sort of thing, which mine was doing. It had me stumped, had everyone else stumped too, I think. And, yeah, so... Um, and also they talk about personality types which this is something I'd tried looking into in the past. Um, knowing myself, I'm a pretty fussy guy. <laughs> Got a high attention to detail. Um, people joke about OCD and stuff like that, but I'll say, yeah, maybe some OCD tendencies, but I wouldn't go say I'm actually OCD. Just but it's committed more, and dedicated to what yeah, you want to do. It's more perfectionism. Yep. And, yeah, so people that have these high standards that they hold themselves to that um, people that are uh, people pleasers uh, they're more likely to be suffering from chronic pain and yeah so um, yeah there's if you know your personality type and that sort of rings a bell with you, you go well you've got to kind of think twice about that yeah. and go well hang on if I'm suffering this chronic pain and I sort of fit these um, criteria well yeah you've got to delve a bit further I think yep. yeah do you think how do you think you can get an opening into this field for someone that's just got physical physical pain um, I guess what I'm getting at is how how do you get them started down this down this path because there's got to be a lot of dedication from you like yep. this just wasn't given to you. It wasn't, yep. hey, here's the solution, go do it. Is that there's got to be a, a lot of mental energy put into actually 
overcoming the mental aspect of the pain. Yeah. Well, I found after the first couple of weeks of it, I had one week where I just felt really mentally drained from going through the process. And I got to a point where it's like, wow, I had to go all through all this to learn this. <laughs> this is what my body put me through to learn this lesson. Yeah. And I spoke to you about um, like the idea that humans need winter, which is a metaphoric winter. So the idea, like as you say, about being the candle at both ends, you can only do that for so long. Like for so many years, I'd be flat out at work, flat out at home doing renovations on the house and whatever, and you've got young family and so on, and so many people are in the same situation. But you can only do that so long before things catch up with you. And if you're like that, well, it brings it back to the autonomic nervous system again, which is then something I sort of delved into learning a bit more about, that you're constantly in that fight-or-flight mode and you're not giving yourself time to recharge the batteries, so to speak. So people talk about um, it's like a bank account. So you can only keep making so many withdrawals before there's nothing left to draw from. It's a good analogy. Yeah. I'm sure we can all relate to that. Yeah, I've yeah. heard the one about a well. There's only so much yeah, you can right. grow the well before it runs dry. Yeah, and they talk about a bucket. You got to, yeah. at some stage, you've got to start making deposits. So your deposits might be things that make you feel energized in life. So people talk about make a list with two columns. So one side being your um, parasympathetic activities. So activities that make you feel recharged, that bring you happiness and make you feel good. And then the other side being your sympathetic and things that are draining your batteries, basically. And then weigh up how many items you've got in each column. And, yeah, obviously you've got to aim to have more in your parasympathetic column. I think that is a fascinating task for anyone to do yeah. without pain. Yeah. With pain, without pain. Yeah. Is balancing life is, is so important. It's, you know, for me, it's the thing we're always chasing yeah. to have better balance in life. Um, and so two columns. One, things that drain you. One, things that recharge you. Yeah, things that vitalize you. Things yeah. that you're passionate about that make you feel good in life. And you can't think it. You've got to write it down. Yeah. Right? You've got to see it in front of you. Yeah. And I think that would be fascinating. Um, that's that's going to be one of my big takeaways already from, from this uh, little chat. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right. Now, I do want to I do want to wrap this up in terms of the podcast. We're going to keep chatting afterwards, and who knows, this might turn into a 10-parter. Okay. Um, but really... It's, it's bringing your story to people to create awareness that physical pain is real. All pain yeah. is real. Yeah. It is an, an interpretation or output from the brain, as you said, manifested in the brain. It's not made up. It's yeah. not made up. Uh, but we've got to understand that there's association with that pain in yeah. that physical area of the body. And yes, we've got to treat the physical, but we've also got to treat the brain as well. Um, you've given some amazing, amazing tips for people to, to take away. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add just at this point in time um, to help people out there? Um, yeah, well, one thing I'd say is that some of this stuff may sound pretty crazy, and it doesn't matter how crazy it is. If it helps, that's all that really matters. Like, I know it doesn't match the traditional Western approach to medicine, but if you're getting relief from whatever works for you, that's all that matters. You don't have to please anyone else. You only got to please yourself. Yeah. that's uh, Look, I really think this is so far removed from crazy that with conversations like this, it creates awareness because yeah. people come in all the time and they've had scans of this, that, and the other, and yeah. there's nothing wrong yeah. according to the physical scan. Yeah, well, that's something that keeps coming up again. Like I had x-rays, ultrasounds, MRIs, and you name it, and I'd have people going, yeah, well... 
there's nothing there. Oh, I can't see any reason for your pain and so on. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I can barely stand up. Like, I'd get home from work at the end of the day. And I'd pull up in the driveway. I was like, oh, man, now I've got to get out of the car and walk up the driveway. Yeah. And, yeah, like, you're just so drained from it all. But yep. And then to have people go, no, there's nothing wrong with you. It's like, are you kidding me? When there's pain, there's always something wrong. But yeah. if we dig deeper, we might find actually the solution is not the traditional. Now, yeah. in saying not tr- the traditional is that um, this sort of uh, pain mechanism, uh, Pain mechanism, pain management. I don't like the word pain management. That usually involves, hey, don't do anything that hurts. Yeah. Whenever I have patients that have been through a pain management course or direction, it's like, don't do anything that hurts. Which that's just reinforcing it. Yeah. And yeah. what are you going to do in terms when you've got painful feet that doesn't hurt? Yeah. Hang off a pull-up bar? Oh, well, that's what I did a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All my workouts end up, or most of my workouts end up being hanging from some sort of bar or something like that because I wasn't on my feet. Yeah. Yeah, like my life revolves around, okay, how can I do day-to-day life not on my feet? So cooking dinner, like, well, I chopped up, chopped up dinner. I'd be kneeling on a chair at the kitchen bench chopping stuff up because by the end of the day, to be standing in the kitchen chopping up, yeah, it just wasn't going to happen. So everybody that's ever kneeled on a chair to chop veggies <laughs> or done any of these things, they're not thinking anything about crazy. They're thinking, shit, that's me. Yeah. And again, any of, any of the parts in this podcast that can just point anyone in the right direction. Yeah. There's no magic fixes. But um, there's some awesome takeaways and we'll put yeah. some of your resources. I know there's a few more. Yeah. Um, we'll put some of them just in the notes so people can just go and start on their own path. Yeah. Sit there and explore a bit deeper. And, um, you know, if they improve things 10% from what you've shared here, that's awesome. Yeah. If they improve things 20%. And um, I really appreciate you coming to share your story. Yep. Say, so we were going to have a chat today about where you're at. And I said, mate, let's, if, you, if you're willing, let's put this on audio. And because there are going to be a bunch of people that can benefit from this. So I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to chat after this. Yep. Thanks for having me, Tim. Awesome. And as I say, we'll add any of those resources in so people can yeah. um, start on the journey to being strong, fit, and healthy. And what was that word that started with A? Awesome. Awesome. All right. See you guys.